0: Good morning, it's good to see everyone, good to be with you, yeah, so disclaimer, um, I'm a heart guy, so I feel things, and um, can be emotional at times, Um, so if I get emotional with you guys today, um, don't worry about that, I'm fine. It's it's all in how God made me, so, gotta love it. Um, But the reason I would get emotional today is, um, you know, didn't take long, did it? Um, (laughs) The the reason I would is because the journey of understanding how much you're loved by a God, is um, is awesome, and it's overwhelming when you peel back a layer of yourself and allow God's love to to flow into that layer, and to have access to parts of you that you thought were too raw for God to love. And um, I'll admit, I'm probably a little bit at the end of myself this morning. Um, this week has been a pretty intense week. It's been a crazy week. <laughs> um, probably spent like over 20 hours on the phone, just in conversations with people, pastoral care. Um, hearing lives, you know, that are just broken. Um, counseling you know, clients who are just in despair or distress, you know. Um, And so you get to a point where you get to your end, you know. Um, But it's, you know, apparently my phone is not on silent. (laughs) It's at um, our end when, um, and in our weakness, that God is made strong. And it's in our weakness when God is allowed to show up and reveal himself and reveal his heart to his people, and to um, those who love him and seek him and follow him. And this morning we're going to be talking about um, being a child of God. And when you're going through experiences in life, when you're at your end, when you're at a place of um, just kind of like, this is so much bigger than me, you know, knowing that you're a child is really... Comforting thing um, because it it speaks to the fact that you're not the one in control you know you're not the one who has to make sure it goes a certain way, but that you are you're the child you know, and that you have a father who is looking out for you, you have a father who cares about you and you have a father who wants his best for you in your life, and so you just kind of you, you got to surrender, right? you got to say, okay, well, we're beyond me, God. So as a child, I'm coming to you, you know? I'm coming to you, and I'm saying, this is what we're at. This is where we are. And his word gives a promise that he will be there, right? His word gives a promise that he will not leave us fatherless. He will be there for us. Would you stand? I'm going to read um, from 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. Read through verse 10. It says, And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. nor is the one who does not love his brother. May the Lord add the richest blessings to the reading of his word. You may be seen. The passage we read starts off by identifying us. It starts off by naming us as children. John references us. He says, and now little children, right? And so we are... From the very beginning, informed of the posture and the position with which we're to hear what John goes on to say. So as you think about children, what are some characteristics of a child that come to mind? Feel free to share them as they come to your mind. Innocence. Happy. What's that? Carefree. Carefree. hmm. Right. Curious. Mm-hmm. Energy. Yep. I said in the first service if you don't believe that, you can have my son for a day. He'll teach you. Yeah. Selfish. Mm hmm. Yep. That one was said in the first service, too. Yeah. Needy, yeah. Mm -hmm. Very needy. Yeah, yeah. Good. They're all characteristics, right? They're all things we can think of in that position of a child, in that posture of a child, and that's how John kind of references. He says, "Little children," right? So right away, it's you know, children are also teachable, right? We say curious. Children are curious. Children want to know. They want to learn. They want to be a part of something, you know? And, And so we have this posture with which John introduces us to listen. He says, now little children, abide in him. Think about a child and their parents, right? A child who loves their parents. What do they do? They want to be with them. Right? They want to relate to them, they want to be a part of them. Every morning if I am home, Quinn gets up, and it doesn't matter where I am, he like it's that's his first thought. Where's where's daddy? Um and I could be like at the table like this, you know, like breakfast right in front of me, like there's no space, but in his mind there is always space for him in my lap, you know? And that's, that's the place he comes, you know? Wake up in the morning, if I'm in bed, he's in bed. If I'm at the table, he's sitting on my lap. If I'm on the couch, he's on the couch. Like, wherever it is, this is where he goes to start off his day. And that's what First John is saying. He's like, little children, abide in him. Abide in Jesus Christ. Come to him, right? In the Gospels, we know, like, Jesus says, let the little children come unto me. And here we are, we are identified as little children, which therefore means we have a father. And there's a posture, there's a position of relationship that we're given. So why does he say, he says, little children abide in me so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. Have you ever seen a kid relate to an adult when they feel shame? It's pretty, it's pretty tough, right? Shame's a pretty nasty emotion when you think of it. Like I can feel sadness and it's, it's sad, right? But it's, it's kind of like an upper level, upper layer emotion, you know? Now, if there's sorrow, right, that tends to be a little bit deeper of an emotion. Well, it's the same kind of setup with shame. I can be embarrassed. I could be humiliated. Or I could be ashamed. And, and shame really gets to the core of who we are. And so when we feel shame, there is a deep identity struggle going on when that comes into our life. And there's a lot of experiences and there's a lot of interactions that either try to shame us or that we feel ashamed by. And so what does First John say? It says, abide in him so that we do not shrink back in shame. How do, we, how do we get through shame? We abide in him. As parents, we have a, a great, important responsibility to value our kids. And you can tell, the kids who have parents who struggle to not shame their kids there is, there is something deep inside of those kids that yells out. And I watch it all the time as parents bring kids into my counseling office and they share, this is what's going on with my kid, da-da-da-da-da, and, and they're rebellious. They are, they act out. They lash out. Because at the core of who we are, we are not meant to believe the lies that shame tells us. We are not designed, we are not created in some thing's image. We were created in the image of our Father. And when we are created in the image of our Father, that means there is worth, there is value to who we are. And there are experiences that we have, there are decisions and choices that we feel responsible for, that we've made, that teach us that that core of who we are is not as valuable as God or others say it is. And so we reject compliments from people. We push people away. We tell ourselves over and over and over and over and over and over again in our heads negative things about ourselves because we think that we deserve to treat ourselves this way. But when we are a child of God, when we walk in that posture and in that position, that's exactly what all that negative junk is. It's lies. It's not true about who we are. And we have a freedom. We have an invitation to live in the truth of who God, our Father, thinks we are. Knows we are. Later in the passage, it talks about, he says, verse 7, Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning for the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. How does he choose to destroy the works of the devil? He chooses to do that by communicating love for us. How deep does the Father's love for us go? It goes deeper than any negative thought you can have, any negative emotion you can have, any belief about yourself that isn't true because it's just so negative and wrong. God's love goes that deep. It is enough to fill all of that that layer of onions, right? Even the center of that, even the core of who we are. God loves who we are. Verse 9 says, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning for God's seed abides in him and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. Now granted, we make poor choices, right? we do things that are not of God, that don't reflect his character. And, and, and we keep learning healthier ways, right, to live out of who God is in our life. But what this verse is saying is that we cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. It doesn't continue to be a part of who we are, right? If Jesus Christ died on the cross and his blood was shed so that we could be forgiven then that is a posture, that is a position that we stand in. And when I lie, I remove myself out of that. But it doesn't change the fact that I'm still forgiven. It doesn't change the fact that I'm still washed by the blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so even though I may have not acted in the reflection of my Father... It doesn't change my identity. It doesn't change who I am. I am still a child of God. Because it was on account of his act, not on account of mine. And this is a truth that, that if we ever stop preaching, if we ever stop teaching, if we ever stop wrestling with it personally, then we're missing out. Because it's something that I think gets deeper. It gets richer every time we think about it, every time we allow our mind to consider the depth of God's love. We will find how deep it can really go. We will understand who God the Father truly is in our life. And we will be able to walk more confidently against shame. We will be able to walk more more at rest, more at peace, And who we are. And when things in life get tough. When people around us get critical. We'll have a confidence. We'll have a strength. Because we know that we are loved by the Father. Whether our parents on earth. We're good examples of this or not. It is a promise from our Heavenly Father that He is a good, good Father. And that He will be with us. And there's this whole picture throughout Scripture of this idea of being adopted into God's family. And that that happens despite our, our earthly family. It happens despite the quality or the effectiveness of, of our actual biological family unit. Because God's like, no, there is a greater family to be a part of. There is a greater, and I don't mean like better, I mean just a fuller, a richer, a more uh, a spiritual family that he wants to bring us into. And so as we look around this room even, like we, we are sitting beside brothers and sisters. We are identifying as being a part of a family of God. And that's important because at the core of who we are, at the core of what shame attacks in us, is also a sense of belonging. A desire or a need to be a part of something is so rooted in who we are that if we don't find it in our Father if we don't find it in our family, we're going to look for it somewhere else. You have this young man who's running around somewhere in Pottstown right, right, right now, who, who is wondering where he belongs, who is seeking, who is searching, trying to find a place. And it, it's that, you know, it's when we get to that place, when we get wrapped up in all this other stuff, we're looking for a place to belong and we look at the wrong things. And shame tells us that the thing we need, the family, the relationship with the Father, shame tells us that that's, that's not available now. You know, because now I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. And we just create distance. And we don't recognize that the love of the Father, the blood on the cross, has the power to make that distance so close, you know? Just apart, like right there. So available, just ready. Because it's on account of what God did, not on account of who we are and what we did. Going back to verse 7, he says, Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous. Righteous just as he is righteous. Living out of a posture of being a child is also its simple, but it's not easy. Because it requires righteousness of us. And that, that's challenging, that is sometimes difficult, because it means standing in obedience with God. And when we have a brother or a sister who is struggling, the righteous thing to do is to reach out, right? And try to bring them back into a family relationship. When we have somebody who isn't a part of the family and is in the world and they they call us out, right? Or they um, create... An awkward moment where we feel like maybe it's gossip right and they they're they're talking about somebody and you have the same kind of feeling about the person but you know it's not right to say it right righteousness in that moment is not saying it is not giving in because whether or not that person believes in Christ they're still made in his image and we still are called to value them for who they are And righteousness, depending on where that person is, might even be, hey, let's not talk about that person that way. Let's not do that. And it's standing for what is right. Not what I think is right, but what my Father knows is right. We hear this language through Jesus Christ all the time about how he's like, what the Father wants me to do, I do. Anything anything that I do is of the Father. And so if it's not of the Father, it's not of me. And when we are flowing out of our position and our posture of being a child of God then we are in step, we are in line with the Father and so where we, where we put our foot down and we stand strong for the, for the sake of the Lord, for the sake of our relationship with God it's, it's there that we are standing in righteousness that we are able to be righteous as He is righteous and that, that's just walking in obedience It's not patting ourselves on the back being like, yeah, I was righteous. No, it's it's standing there being like, this is God's heart. I'm reflecting God. I'm reflecting my father. My father wouldn't be okay with talking down on that person. My father wouldn't be okay with a decision that isolates somebody. My father wouldn't be okay with a decision that hurts and wounds somebody. And that's difficult because it means we got to slow down. We got to love our brothers. We got to love our sisters. We got to take time to care. And And we may have the the desire to do that, I think that desire is probably somewhat natural if we're in relationship with God, the desire to do it, right? But we live in a world that's like, doesn't want to give us any time to do it. But it's still the desire of God's heart and that's why it's a desire within us because it's, it's the nature, it's the character of our Father. Biblical scholar Thayer, he says, righteousness, the state of him who is such as he ought to be. So again, it's just, it's a, it's, it's a posture, it's a state of being. When we're a child of God, then we're, we're flowing in righteousness. We're walking in obedience with God the Father. We are living out Jesus Christ through his spirit in us. If we turn back to the Gospel of John. John chapter 14, verse 18. Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples. He's kind of prepping them. Saying, hey, you know, I'm going to be walking towards that cross. This is coming up. And he owns it. He says, "This this is not the devil overcoming me. This is me being obedient to my Father. And so he takes the responsibility of it. And he says, knowing me is knowing the Father. And he goes through all this relational language with the Father and and inviting the disciples into that family. And um, verse 15, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth Whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells within you and will be in you. And then here's this promise. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. There is a deep promise. And there is a affirmation of confidence that we know the Father. The Father is knowable. He is relational. He, we can connect to Him. And it's through, through worship. It's through prayer. It's through reading of God's Word. It's this, going back to First John, it's the abide in Him. It's what we do to abide in Him that gives us this confidence to walk as a child of God. A couple, a couple years ago, um, we had put together um, this booklet called Personal Practices in the Pursuit of God. Because we understand and we want you to have every opportunity and every encouragement to abide in Him. A church is not going to be able to be what it's called to be unless individually we take our relationship with God seriously. Right? Right? As a church, we have to come together and not rely on our brothers and sisters to go after God on our behalf, but to take personal responsibility and say, I love my God. He is my father and I'm going to have a relationship with him. And then I'm going to come on a Sunday morning and worship my father with all my brothers and sisters. Have you ever been to a family reunion or a family get-together where the family loves each other and they just enjoy hanging out and being together? It's a really great time. It's a really fun time. Because there's excitement. There's joy in that. I know my, my siblings were kind of all over and there's six of us, so there's a lot of us and... Um, to really get to know each other, like, it was a lot, it took a lot of work, you know, with six of them, and, like, I think of my brother, he is, um, I can't even tell you how old he is, I don't even know, um, but he's younger than me, by a lot of years, <laughs> um, and um, he's, like, 20, 24, maybe, 25, so there's, like, seven, eight years difference, and it's, like, I didn't get to grow up with him, So I don't really know him. But yet, he's my brother. And there's nothing that would change that. And so the love that I have for him, is not because I know what his favorite color is or I know what he's passionate about or I know that this happened to him yesterday at work. No, my love for him is because of who he is in relationship to me. My brother. And so I would do anything for him because he's my brother, and there's just that, there's that connection, you know, and when we get together as a family, it's a little bit weird, because we don't know each other on the day-to-day, but there's excitement about being together, there's excitement about the opportunity to relate to one another, and that's, that's what Sunday morning has available, right, that's what this Sunday morning could be, and and, and you can see it, right? I mean, you come, probably most of you come and have friends, have relationships with people that you're excited and you look forward to. And that's available with each one of us, right? We're brothers and sisters in Christ. God is cultivating a family that cares for each other, looks out for each other. And if there's wounds there, there's hurt there, which I'm sure there is because in every family we have tough moments in every family we have raw spots that get touched you know and maybe it's not from this church, but maybe it's from another church, maybe it's from a Christian group, or maybe it's from you know friends who claimed they were followers and you've been hurt and you've been wounded, and those are real i you know um heartbreaking when that happens because it affects our relationship with our father but it doesn't change God still loves you God still cares deeply that you're a part of his family and maybe the family needs to grow right like maybe the family needs to um, lean into their father deeper so they can understand how to love appropriately. But we're all, we're all figuring it out, right? I mean, it's layers of an onion that they peel mm-hmm. away, and as it peels away, and we let God's love in, God's love is there. The promise that God will not leave us as orphans, It is a lie of the enemy that he wants us to think that we are fatherless. And it's, it comes in many different ways that we talked about. But it is a promise that Jesus Christ himself gives. That he will come to us. That we are not fatherless. That as God is in him, he is in us. And that he sends the helper, he sends the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, to abide in us. And this, this is what affirms us. And I don't know if, if you're like me and you're, you're sitting there and you're reflecting on God and you have these thoughts and you're just like, was that me or was that God? You know, and you're like, am I thinking this? Is God thinking that? What, and that's where the spirit comes in. That's the spirit's role to help us know. And then we can look at God's word and we can affirm it and we can confirm it and say, no, it's right there. I'm not making this up in my head. God actually does love me. I do actually have a father. I am a child of God. It's right here in God's word. And whether I think it's true or couldn't be true or could be true, it doesn't matter because I read it in God's word and his spirit affirms it in my heart. And so I know that no matter what I stand against, I stand against it as a child of God. And when I am in a child of God posture, then there is nothing that will overcome. Because Christ has already been victorious. And nothing will overcome me. Because if it overcomes me. It's got to overcome my father. And it won't happen. It won't happen. Whatever it is. For you. For each of us. There's, we're affected by this. Because it's about who we are. So Michael's gonna come back and, and Mike is coming back and, and they're gonna and be singing. And we just wanna give time that like, just talk to your father. You can sing, you can worship, you can come up here, sit in front of the cross, whatever it is, but I just wanna give time to actually practice abiding in him. Just give you time to, to even if you just sit and think, I am a child of God I am a child of God what does that mean I am a child of God just to sit and think about that to take time to allow your heart to, to even crack a little bit you know and feel God's love just flow in that his spirit would affirm in you your position in the body of Christ as a child of God, as a brother in Christ, as a sister in Christ, as someone who has deep value, has has eternal worth because of Christ and because of our Father, God in heaven. God, just come. just release your spirit to speak. Your presence is here. It's not a prophetic statement, that's a fact. Because your children are here. And where two or three are gathered, Lord, you are here. So you are with us.